I must not fear. Fear is the mind killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear. I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it is gone past, I will turn the inner eye to see its path. Where fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I will remain. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. Your hosts, David, Scott, and Jim, guide you through the chronological epic story of Dune. Enjoy the conversation. Welcome to the Dune Saga Podcast. I'm David Moulton. And I'm Scott Hertzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood. And this is our listener feedback show for Dune House Harkonnen. Right. So this is not all going to be about House Harkonnen, but there's a lot of feedback that is, and um, we'll be uh, chatting about that as we go. So yeah. we got a lot of – actually, I think earlier, a few days ago, we were like, wow, we don't have a lot of feedback, but it came rolling in. Yeah, right last minute and, and good quality stuff, too. Oh, it's some good – yeah, we have some real good stuff here, not to mention the bad reviews we always look forward to at the yep. end. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Well, why don't we just jump right into it? Does yeah, that sound Jim. good? Yeah. And so, Jim, I believe you have the first one. Yeah, uh, this is from Erasmus Omnius. Uh, it says, my newest big question is this. Are you guys going to go see the new Dune film this year, which is the documentary on the one which should have been made, which planted the seed for Blade Runner and Alien and Aliens and so many more films? And will y'all be podcasting it? Heck, even better, invite everyone to come and check it out with you if they can. Make it a shy halud ceremony. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this idea. We we actually briefly talked about it, David, that if it ever yeah. comes in, maybe doing something like this. Um, someone actually suggested it with, like, when we get to the Dune movies, are we going to do those, like, live, at least for yeah. people that are local? Um, like, a we can air it on the side of my barn here, you know, or something like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, uh, we have, we, I like the idea. Yeah. And, we'll, um, we'll see what happens for sure. I think we are definitely, I think it's definitely in the plans of whenever it comes available, if it doesn't come in the area, that when it gets to DVD or streaming, that we will definitely watch it and review it and do a, do a show on it. Yeah. Uh, sure. it's just a matter of do we do that live here? Do we have an event where we do it at? Right. I mean, maybe we could do something where we watch it and then, you know, with others and then we record later. Or something like that, you know. I, yeah. don't, I don't know. It's, and I'm not sure if there's a way that we could, um, you, like, if people would have a copy of it, and we all watch it at the same time, maybe uh, sync yeah. that up. People yeah. have done that before. That might be an idea to toy with. Yeah, you know, I'll look into. I've seen some YouTubers do that, where they're like, "Come watch this show with me," and they and they stream live. Oh, I don't think that we're going to be really talking during it. So no, kind of, you know, yeah, it kind of defeats the purpose. But I, yeah, <laughs> if, if you want to watch it and kind of keep point to where we are and then we'll talk right after it or something uh it's an interesting idea i mean we're not far from the movies because we're almost at doing itself and then after right. that you, you hit you kind of hit the movies right there so yeah so probably uh, i mean we potentially two episodes from now could be uh reviewing a movie right exactly you know in, in may yeah well no uh, it'd be in no, june. June, june in june we would be doing yeah on our we, schedule we'll be doing the first two movie in june. right right so yeah. yeah, so that's that's good. So I, I like the idea, Rasmus, and thanks for uh, writing in. But that's uh, that's kind of our take on it at this point. But um, uh, go ahead, David, take this next yeah, one. This one's from Jordan Dennis. He says, "Thanks for posting promos of your podcast on your website. I just grabbed the audio to use in this week's episode of my RPG Actual Play podcast at www.bonethrowerstheater.com. I wish you all the best on your trip through Arrakis." Well, thanks a lot, Jordan, for uh, kind of spreading the spice around. Yeah, absolutely. And we do appreciate that. And uh, we don't often play promos here, but we're going to give you a plug here anyways. And actually, if you do uh, if you do think about sending us a promo, um, we could probably go to the site and grab them. We can always throw it on at the end of the show, too. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, we do appreciate the publicity, and that's obviously helpful. Yeah. Um, this is from Becky Wood. 
This is Becky Woodhouse. Yeah, this, this is Becky. So Becky Woodhouse um, said, hoping the podcast will help me understand the book better. Enjoying the conversation either way. So Becky, we are grateful that you're listening. <laughs> and um, and uh, heck, I, it's it's my first time through the books, and I'm hoping it helps me understand them as well. For the, so. Yeah, I was going to say, we uh, hope it helps you and us understand it better. <laughs> you, know, you know, this is part of the conversation that I like. Uh, I'm Im- I'm impressed about what all of you listeners know about this universe. That's much more than I know about it. And some of you are able to pick, have the minds to pick apart the nuances of it, are so enthralled. Um, and and I just, I stand in all of you, and I'm just going to let you know yeah. that. So, and uh, yeah. some of you just have better recollections than I do. But. Yeah, you know, uh, and we got to experience our fans, uh, well, fans of Dune, not ours necessarily, firsthand at the Farpoint Convention. And if you were, were watching the feed, we put our panel up there, and some of those guys were just so passionate about, oh, yeah. about what they, you know, about the whole universe. Right. Right. So, uh, so we just, uh, we do this because we love the Dune universe, but we're doing it because we know that there's a lot of other people out there that love it as well. So Jim, why don't you take uh, Dallas smokers, uh, email. Okay. Dallas writes, hello guys. I've been reading along, but have been continually behind by one book. Though I'm hoping to catch up before the house Carino podcast comes out. That being said, I'm going to comment on all that I have read so far, and I'll try to keep it brief. First, I want to thank you guys for giving me a reason to read these books. I have only read three of the original Dune series books. I got sidetracked and never got around to finishing it. And I had heard that any of the books written after Frank weren't worth reading. So did I. (laughs) Boy, Boy, was that wrong. Uh, this podcast has motivated me to buckle down and finish them all, and I've been loving it so far. Concerning the Legends of Dune, my favorite of these books was The Butlerian Jihad, because I felt the first book took a deep look at the characters while introducing them to the audience. I also felt that the quotes from the first book were more thought-provoking though this may be due to the introducing of a universe I was previously unfamiliar with. I did enjoy the Machine Crusade and Battle Corrin in their own rights, but I felt the intimate depth of the character was lacking. Most of the characters that you grew to know in the Butlerian Jihad became formulaic in the Machine Crusade and lost the diversity of individuality that makes humans so complex and Battle of Corrin was unable to give that depth to any of the new characters, thus making them somewhat flat and unin- uninteresting. Granted, this is mostly me nitpicking three very enjoyable books. Overall, I found myself overlooking my above complaints and simply loved the stories that took me on a ride full of ridiculous but enthralling science fiction plots and characters. How can you not love the imagery that Cymex elicit. <laughs> Very good. And uh, let's respond to that first part of his email. Yeah, yeah. Um, anything stick out that he's saying? I mean, he, the premise here that despite his Nick's picks, he absolutely enjoyed the series. And we're glad that we've been helpful. We've been helpful in motivating you to read these books. I wouldn't have read them if it wouldn't have been for this podcast either. It's actually David's fault, probably. But <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I, I'm not. Yeah, no, you shouldn't be. I'm you shouldn't not. be. Uh, but what do you think about what he's saying here? Well, you know, I, I definitely grasp how he's feeling. That the first one, to me, I, I it's such a world-building book. You know, and I think that I loved that for all the reasons that maybe I I I liked House Harkonnen better than Atreides for House Atreides because House Atreides was a world building book, but House Harkonnen you could just run with it. Whereas with this, the world was so different from what we were used to if you read any of the other books that you needed this new Mm -hmm. like it was exciting discovering these little connections here and there. But then as it went on, you know, especially you see with like Iblis Ginjo, his character kind of flatlines after after Butler and Jihad. He just becomes, like, a very bad person. Like, you don't like him anymore. He just, you know that he's bad. But in, right. the, in, in, in Butler and Jihad, he seems like he could, you know, he could go anywhere. He's got all these things that he could do. So I, I, I grasp what he's saying there. Mm-hmm. Jim, how about yourself? Um, 
in light of of reading the house books uh i i have to agree somewhat with these but also i'm i'm discovering these books for the first time and um and he says he's nitpicking uh you know i i can i can understand his point as i look back but hindsight is 2020 well, and, and, you know, what he's saying here, he's saying, look, I enjoyed these books. These were, like, he makes a comment early on. He goes, I heard that the, that the books written after Frank weren't worth reading. Boy, I was wrong. And I agree. Like these, they were good stories. I was fully engaged in them. And even though, you know, he felt like the, the quotes from the first book were more thought provoking than maybe the subsequent books and that some of the characters became more formula, more formulaic. Um, it didn't make the story or where they were going with it any less enjoyable for right. me. Right. Um, in fact, okay. I was, I'm going to, a little sidetrack here. I was reading a little bit of the back cover of the, um, the Mentats of Dune that was just released. Number 17, baby, on the New York Times bestseller yeah. list. So that's kind of cool. But I was reading the back and reading about, um, what Erasmus's, uh, son, or son, right? Mm. And, uh, thinking, oh man, I want to sink my teeth back into this world again, because yeah. this is the world that we left from the Legends of Dune. This is the world of the Legends of Dune that we're familiar with, right? right. And yeah. so I really wanted to kind of sink my teeth into it. And we're going to be doing that later. So it'll be nice. It'll be interesting because we're kind of bookending our read through Dune with these back to the beginning. Right. At the end. Yeah. There's a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, you, you could tell there was a lot more to go. If that, I, I, you know, I kind of wish that the Sook book had, had been out so that we could have gone right into there, but <laughs> right. I think we're we're going to benefit from from waiting. Yeah, from bookending it. Yeah, yeah. So I agree with that. David, do you want to pick up with his email? He's not quite finished yet talking, and I, I do want to address that. So <laughs> sure. Um, he takes us up to House Atreides. Go ahead. Okay. Concerning House Atreides, first, I haven't listened to your podcast for this one yet, so forgive me if I seem out of the loop. It's because I presently am. When I was starting this book, I was concerned because I had no idea what to expect. I was saddened because I knew all of the fun sci-fi stuff from the previous books, namely the Cymex, Cogitors, and Omnius, were destroyed, at least presumably destroyed, (laughs) and was unsure of what interesting stuff they could come up with for the next set of books. I quickly began to realize that this book was definitely taking a different approach, an approach that relied heavily on political posture, posturing, and behind-the-scenes trickery. There was certainly more dialogue and political intrigue than there was action, packed scenes, though we still had some of that as well. The beauty of all this is the trickling effect that takes place in the universe. We start with a civilization that gives too much power to the thinking machines, thus enslaving themselves through their own actions. The same civilization must then pay the immense cost, both in lives and in money, to regain their freedom from the thinking machines, but emerge with what seems as a different culture and understanding. However, in this book, we see that the same traits that fueled the downfall of their predecessors still exist. Duh, right? Humans have human flaws. Self-interest still dictates the course of the culture, though the lines of what, right, what is right and what is wrong become more murky, as Leto realizes when he must maneuver the political battlefield. While Omnius no longer plays a clear threat in these books, the human traits that created the monster of Omnius are still very present. I could go on and on about this, but I'm already getting pretty lengthy. So I'll elaborate more as I read through the rest of the Prelude to Doom books. Thanks again for doing this podcast. It's nice to feel like a part of a family of readers while I attempt this time-consuming feat. Also, I forget which one of you utilizes audiobooks, but I definitely would be further behind if not for them. It also helps to hear how these names are pronounced, so I don't sound dumb when discussing with friends. Keep up the good work. I agree with that last sentiment because uh, it's not, it's great to hear how uh, the reader I, I, kudos to the reader I should know the reader by now but um, the reader is just a, what does a wonderful job in pronouncing the names and it's great just to hear them so yeah. and I agree I'd be further behind without it I don't have much time to sit down and read <laughs> so um, <laughs> a, any thoughts here as far as what he's saying about House Atreides yeah. I, I can I can understand where he's coming from that a lot of the action is gone from House Atreides and this series as whole as a whole. But I this is not about I don't think this series that we're reading now, the the uh house books, I think they're more about the political maneuvering and uh it's more of a chess game here. Um we're we're gonna see I think we're gonna see Leto grow up 
a great deal and become more hardened. And the philosophy that, that, uh, Leto's father had is going to change because of the, the tragedies that he has witnessed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, this scenario here that we have with these books, it's, it's not actiony. And I don't think that it really ever kind of really gets back to action. I don't, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but I think that, that Frank wrote very politically. Um, and, and the way that it paid off is because you had all these little tiny plots within plots within plots. And then all of a sudden all the movement happens kind of at once and it all culminates into one like cascading thing that you, you know, the payoff is really there and you really feel like all that time was worth it. And that, that's where you get your excitement from rather than having, you know, gunfights and sword fights and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, the we've left all that behind. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And I think you see that, I mean, even, you know, the way that the sword masters are and, right. and the master assassins, like everything's kind of, even the way that they fight battles, it's very civilized. It's less, less violent, more like weapons of a more civilized Yeah. Like, age. like, you know, you can attack, like, what is it? Clangley, uh, when a house declares Clangley, they can attack other people from, from the other house. But they're not allowed to attack any innocents. Like it has to be through assassination and stuff. So that's kind of well. Like it's a- become it's become far more intellectual. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you know, uh, especially when you see the way that Duncan was uh, trained, uh, philosophy, literature. Uh, you know, he not only learned how to fight, but he also got a darn good college education out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and that, at the end of that book, you definitely see them saying, well, there's, we've kind of forsaken some stuff that people don't always play by the rules. Yeah. And I think that that's going to play even more in the future books. So. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. that society might kind of take a step back to being a little yeah. bit more dirty. Yeah. But to me, it kind of seems like in, in the, uh, Legends series, we, earned our freedom as humanity and now we're looking to see what we are doing with that freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. All right. Well, let's move into Roland Smoker here. He has a email here. I don't know if these guys are related, but uh, <laughs> Roland Smoker. And he says, hi, David, Scott and Jim. I warmed up to the house trilogy considerably over this book. However, I still feel caught in middle ground where I remember enough about the original Dune series that it takes away from the excitement. Yet I don't remember enough to pick up on the nuances. Fortunately, in this book, I found myself intrigued with two characters who fate I was not certain of. Hyresser and Sitar Pilru. A Sitar Pilru. I can, I can, this considerably increased my interest toward this book. There are two other things I appreciate about this book. Um, uh, Elkaz Grumman feud, the Elkaz Grumman feud, it's nice to know the Atreus, the, the Atreides Harkonnen feud is not the only house feud in the Imperium. Also, I was laughing hysterically when the Grumman representative murdered Elkaz representative at the Arrakis dinner party, um, at the beginning of the book. It doesn't sound like the greatest thing to be laughing at, but it had a comical feel to it. The Ivar Harkonnen and Raben, Raban, it's nice to know that there are members of the Harkonnen house that were not pure evil. I felt really bad for Abler, but I anticipated his demise from the outset. Yeah, it wasn't hard. I mean, he's not. I think, Jim, you may have mentioned that uh, in maybe the last podcast even that um, he doesn't play into the Dune books at all. So he has to be gone. And yeah. so you kind of knew that he wasn't going to be around for long. Yeah. Yeah. He said, there's one thing I'm getting tired of. A love triangle. Someone agrees with you, David. <laughs> the love triangle. <laughs> Dominic Elrud and Shando, Lito Jessica and Kalia, Liet Warwick and Farula. I know each love triangle played a fairly significant role in the story. I just never been a fan of love triangles in general. Overall, I give this book a four out of five. We got another four for this book, guys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. His favorite quote, the capacity to learn is a gift. The ability to learn is a skill. The willingness to learn is a choice. And the Fremen saying, never be in the company of anyone whom you wouldn't want to, who you would not want to die, with whom you would not want to die. Um, I may have messed up that quote. Let me say that quote again. Never be in the company of anyone with whom you would not want to die. Fremen saying. 
right? Yeah. And his favorite moment, the Bene Gesserit trick of Baron and Raban that led to the discovery of the the Null ship. Duncan Idaho's and Hill Risser's battle with the Grumman. And Leah Kind's exploration of Seleucus Secundus. And the moment needed, but not enjoyed, Dominic Verne's defeat on Arrakis. And my least favorite moment, the rape and murder of uh, Berth Halleck. By far the most disturbing moment in the books we've read so far. Hmm. Yeah. It's going to get more disturbing. <laughs> uh, we didn't even mention that in our reading. We yeah. just glossed over that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what what do you think about what he, anything he said here? You know, I, I I have to agree with that. Ikaz Grumman, uh, the the stuff going on there, uh, or was it the Moria? Wasn't Moriarty Grumman? I, I don't know. It was hard to keep track of because the people from the planet weren't the same name as the planet. And it just right, right. I kept getting confused mm-hmm. on that one. But uh, the Grumans were the the bad ones. I remember that. So yeah. Um, I think that that was interesting to see that there, you know, like you said, there are other feuds going on and that, uh, I feel like kind of everything's so focused on Atreides Harkonnen from this point on that you kind of lose that, um, that there's other power struggles out there. I mean, in House of Atreides, we learned about the Ricci's, uh, Vernius power struggle, but it wasn't a current thing. Right. So... I think that that was kind of a, a very interesting thing. Yeah, I do agree that that now that you mentioned it, that rape and murder scene was <laughs> appalling. The fact that Gertie was like forced to watch it, forced to watch it, uh, it was disturbing. I'm glad we didn't talk about it in the main show. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, Jim, your thoughts on what he's saying here? Uh, the way he describes the uh, the fight between the Ikaz and Grumman at, at the dinner party. I can just see these two guys going at it over the table and Fenring just sitting there with his eyes wide, wait, you know, watching this and, and just waiting to see what happens and probably enjoying it. Well, yeah, uh, definitely enjoying it. Knowing him. It was written in a kind of comical way. Uh, absolutely. Um, the, uh, and yes, again, Right back to the rape and murder scene of Beth, I was I was appalled at that, uh, even more so than when the bomb went off as Victor was holding it. Though, though that those two moments in that book were were very upsetting. Yeah, yeah. no, I would I would totally agree. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm agreeing with a lot of what he said. The uh, the um, the battle with the Grumman. Uh, especially at the end when yeah. they escape, uh, the whole, the whole, the, the, when they, when the, when the growing attack, the, um, the, uh, sword masters world, I'm just, I lose all respect. Yeah. I just lost all respect mm-hmm. for him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, one of the things that he mentioned here with the Dominic uh, Vernius's defeat on Arrakis, I didn't really think about it. Do you think that the cave-in that happened to Pardot was a reaction to the fact that a bomb that just, is interesting. just went off nearby? Like a they they because that's they were pretty close together, weren't they? I don't know how close they were, but you could certainly. I mean, anytime you set a, a nuclear device off in a, uh, even though it's localized, who's to say how it's going to affect? Yeah. Because they were underground pretty far when that device went off. Right. How yeah. does that affect plates and so on? I don't know. My assumption from reading it that if that is a tie-in, that's a kind of a subjective tie-in because they seem to imply that it was because of all the moisture that they came right. was collapsing. Yeah. Any thoughts on that, Jim? Uh, you know, that's interesting. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about the bomb, uh, sending off vibrations that would cause the uh cave to cave in but yeah that i could see that happening yeah Yeah. because you would think because they had people working there you think that the people working there would notice maybe not because they're there every day you know what i mean yeah yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
David, why don't you go in and uh, we got some feedback. So this next part is some iTunes feedback, and we're loving the iTunes reviews. And as always, if you're loving what we do, we would love for you to post iTunes reviews. It puts us a little bit higher up, gets a little bit rec- more recognition. But we're just loving some of the feedback we're getting from you guys. Yeah, thanks to you guys, we've maintained a standing on the what's hot in the literature section. Yes, uh, we're about midway down the list, so, so that's uh, kind of cool. Yeah, we've been we've been there pretty steadily, uh, pretty much since the first month. Yeah, so, so that's good. You. Good. Thank you. So, uh, Bridge of Hirthgar gave us a five star rating. He says, number one podcast. Woo-hoo. Yeah. I started reading Dune in eighth grade, so about four years ago, and since then I've become a fanatic. These guys have brought us Dune fans something that has been missing from the Dune Society for a long time. They've added onto the hours I spend discussing the series with my dad, who is the only other person I know who has read any of the books. Though I've loved everything involving Dune since the beginning of the Dune Saga podcast, it has refreshed and even brought me even closer to it. They give great reviews, not only of Frank Herbert's, but also of Brian Herbert's and Kevin J. Anderson's continuations. Not only do they point out the great parts of the books, but also the parts that weren't so enjoyable. Their interactions with the audience on the social network pages have made it even greater, and a few times we have exchanged comments. I feel honored. Awesome. Thanks we, so much. Yeah, well, we really appreciate having you listen, uh, Bridge Rescare, and we just absolutely, uh, love interacting. And we, uh, he's actually given us a lot of good thoughts and helped us establish timelines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, great he, help. I think, I think in reality, he may not admit it, but he's kind of a mentat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when <would> you say, <laughs> I, I, we'll just make him our official mentat. Yeah, he, so mentat. you, you are our podcast mentat here. You can keep us straight when we, when we, when we stray too far from the truth here. That's right. We have, an, now we have a master assassin and a mentat. Oh, good. So yeah. we're, we're developing our own little, uh, house here, right yeah. here. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so Darker45 gave us also a five star rating and he said, intelligent and approachable, a good mix of reviewers with different levels of exposure to the books. Great to hear their opinions and impressions. And so Darker45 from Great Britain, we are ecstatic that you're listening. And so thank you for that great review. Jim? Uh, another review here. Uh, from Pylons 151 here in the United States. In bold letters, it says, Awesome, rating five stars. Intelligent conversation without pounds of profanity. Add in the fact that it discusses my favorite series of all time, and it is a recipe for enjoyment. Now to pull my books off the shelf and follow along. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, thanks, thanks for that. We we do appreciate the five star ratings and uh, keep them coming in, yeah. guys. Yeah, you know, and and I just want to comment on the whole. You know, there are podcasts that like we're with tons of profanity on. I tep- I mean, I'm okay with some profanity in a podcast as long as it's justified. Yeah, and so many times I think people just throw it in for effect. Right, well, and especially learn, with they learn they forget how to use adjectives that aren't. Those. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, you know, a lot of my interactions are with students and our podcast, I, I have no problem, um, pointing students toward the directions of listening to it. Oh, yeah. I, there are others where I, I wouldn't recommend them at all and I would probably get in some trouble if I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. Very true as teachers. Um, uh, go ahead, David. Read this next one. This one's from JP. Yeah, JP and LV, uh, somewhere Las in the United Vegas. States. Yeah, Las, Las Vegas. Vegas. Uh, a fantastic walkthrough of the Dune universe. Five stars. Woohoo! Yeah. Thanks, I, JP. Yeah, thanks. Uh, I started reading Frank Herbert's original Dune series in the late 70s and read the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson's prequels as they were released starting in 1999. While there are strongly divided feelings about the Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson books, I've loved them all and felt they meshed well with Frank Herbert's original six novels. The Dune Soccer Podcast has hit the ground running with its marathon effort to walk us through the entire family of Dune Universe books, uniquely in the chronological order of events rather than the order of the books were published. Scott, Jim, and David are clearly fans, and yet they keep any potential biases in check and do a great job of taking a balanced approach to reviewing the books. They're even going to fold the movies, miniseries, into the effort and have a plan to accommodate the books that are still pending. I'm a fan of the Dune universe and definitely a fan of this podcast. Whether you've already read the books or might be thinking about it, join in. You'll feel like you're sitting around with three friends at the end of the day chatting about these great works of science fiction. 
Oh, that's a, that's really a great review. Yeah. We want you guys to feel like you're a part of what we're doing here. That's why we do the listener feedback show and, uh, and it's great to have your interaction and your thoughts and your support. Yeah. And you know, yeah. you can connect to us through all these things anytime between the shows and we'll talk back with you. Yeah. You know, any of our social media networks. Yeah. And if I can just throw in JP, you rock. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we've had him. He was on the Sci-Fi Diner. I think was it was it Logan's Run. He had him on a Logan's Run review. Oh, yeah? This guy knows his science fiction. Oh, cool. Yeah, knows his science fiction. So it's been great to have him. The listeners yep. of the Sci-Fi Diner, and certainly to have him as a listener here on the Dune Saga podcast as yeah. well. So, well, this next uh, this is a what a Facebook review, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that came through. This is from Michael Busetti. I think I'm pronouncing your name. Sorry if I totally butchered it. Hey guys, I've really been enjoying your Dune podcast. I've been a huge fan of Dune ever since my dad suggested I read it back in middle school. For me, I always enjoyed the uh, series, the exploration of what might be possible if humans push to limits of what their minds and bodies can do. The skills of the Bene Gesserit, the Mentats, the Swordmasters, even to some extent the Navigators are all done with natural training and enhancement. They've shunned the technology after all. I was listening to your Farpoint panel coverage on the way to work this morning and have yet to finish it, but I heard that one of your co-hosts, Jim, question mark, is going to be doing a Babylon 5 podcast going episode by episode. I was super excited to hear that since Babylon 5 is probably my favorite sci-fi TV series of all time. I was hoping you could do me the favor of mentioning it in the Dune podcast when it starts. I would hate to forget about it and miss it. Thanks again. Keep me up on, keep up the good work, guys. I'll see about posting some comments from time to time now that I've caught up with your book reviews. So Jim, let's defer to you. Uh, any word on a Babylon 5 podcast coming down the pike? Well, we're kind of working on it. My co-host, uh, is, is, he's editing episodes as we record them and we're actually trying to build up kind of a buffer. Uh, just in case things come up that, that would interrupt us from releasing on our intended schedule of about every two weeks. Uh, keep an eye on Facebook. Uh, I, I answered this one, uh, from Michael on Facebook saying that, uh, I will definitely let him know when we start releasing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but we're glad that you're enjoying the uh, book and I agree. It's neat to see the, what humans are fully capable of here. I think yeah. that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. So, mm-hmm. and, um, so Babylon five podcasts, we'll have to wait. Uh, maybe by that time, Jim, by the time you start airing them, I'll actually have time to watch. I'm still working my way through D five. That will be good. So, uh, very good. But thanks again for uh, posting this and sharing Jim. Do you want to read what Darren wrote? I sure will. Uh, from Darren Kerrigan, keep up the good work guys. Great to hear your opinions and impressions on books I love. I bore my family to death. Not one of them is interested, so thanks for sharing my addiction. Possibly a question for later in the series, but also would like to know where and when you think Brian and Kevin should explore the next, or explore next in the Dune universe. Yeah, well, we're glad to share your addiction, first of all. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, David, thank you for pulling us into this addiction as well. It's <laughs> kind of suggesting we do this. Um, where do you think the, uh, he should explore next in the Dune universe? I think I commented on, back on this on Facebook to him and, and there was a book that they hinted that they were going to write that they, they, they were writing books in between Frank Herbert books. They wrote, uh, two. And then they went back and started writing the school books. And one of, they were going to write well, one that was about, uh, Leto the second between Children of Dune and God Emperor of Dune. And I really liked his story. There's a 3000 year gap there. And I would love to hear more about that. And they didn't actually ever finish it. They never went. I mean, maybe they'll do that after they're done the school books. I don't know what happened. If I saw were- a comment in Kevin J. Anderson's book about someone questioned him about. Where the, uh, Dune books will go in the future when yeah. we go with that. And that'd be interesting to get his take. Maybe when we get him on the podcast. We're still yeah. working on that, right? Yeah, we are. So, so we are. He so, said that he's, uh, interested. He's just kind of busy right now. Yeah, but well, he is. They're promoting Mentats and there's a lot of other books that are out that he's yeah. also promoting. So maybe when the schedule gets a break, we'll have him on and we can ask him this question right outright. Yeah. I'd also like to see more at the end. I feel like Hunters of Dune, uh, the way it ended was a great ending to the series, but it also opens up to a whole new universe. So. Right, 
Right. So do we see any of that? Who knows? We'll yeah. see any of that yeah. coming down the pike. Well, I think it's time for some bad reviews with David Moulton. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got, I got four of these. And of course, uh, like I said before, it's getting harder and harder to find bad reviews that aren't just Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert don't know how to write like Frank Herbert. Right, I mean? right, right. So I almost have to kind of get away from the single star and the, the two star reviews right. and move up a little bit and try and find something different. So, uh, what I've got here, I said, I found this one that would be a bit of a doit. The doit? Doit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, but that's the way he feels. He found yeah. it to be a bit of a doit. A bit of a doit. <laughs> <laughs> I found this one to be a bit of a disappointment. Many of the things I have read about Duncan Idaho in the original series from the and from the Dune Encyclopedia did not match up with the author's story. I found it frustrating when com- when comparing this with the old. Two, st- two stars. I have not seen the Dune Encyclopedia, but I hear it is worth a lot of money, and I have a friend who has it. I'm hoping that next time I see her, I can uh, take a look at it. Yeah, maybe Connor into, like, giving it to you as a gift. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, if you're listening. Yeah, but, <laughs> you know, um, uh, so this might be a case where you say, well, what becomes canon here? Are we yeah. taking the encyclopedia's canon, or are we taking the actual stories? Or do we allow these stories as retold in the encyclopedia since that was rented after these worlds were created as being, well, over time, stories change? I don't know who wrote the encyclopedia. I don't know if you've got the computer. You can maybe look it up. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll do. I'll do a look, looking up here. But, um, Have yeah. you ever come in contact with the encyclopedia, Jim? I I am not familiar with the encyclopedia at all, and um not sure I understand what they're talking about when they go into D- Duncan, Idaho in the original series. Well, let's, okay, matching here's up. the Dune Encyclopedia. It was a 1984 collection of essays written by Willis E. McNeely and 42 other contributors as a companion to Frank Herbert's science fiction series, which began with Dune. The Encyclopedia was published in paperback in 1984 with no further additions planned due to copyright issues. Huh. So it's um, not, I mean, it's not Herbert. It's not Herbert. Right. So, uh, no. so uh, basically, here's the overview of the book. It describes in great detail many aspects of the Dune universe and not found in the Dune, in the novels themselves, such as biographies of the major characters, the languages of the Fremen, the Gallic, and the Spacing Guild, including alphabets and pronunciation, shortened summaries of the plots of the novels. The encyclopedias are also included in explanations of the armies, major schools, Bene Gesserit, Mentas, etc., major industries including the Spice Melange, as well as description of future technologies and artwork of major characters and concepts in the novels. Well, here's the deal. It doesn't sound like, because of copyright issues, it was sanctioned by the Herbert universe. So you're going to say, well, I would say if anything's not canon, you're probably going to argue that the encyclopedia is not canon. Right, yeah. Um it's, it's not and official. Actually, they're saying, actually, there's a little discussion on the Wikipedia talking about whether it's canon. They call it, the back cover says it's complete and authorized. Frank Herbert did approve the book, considering it was amusing and fascinating. Um, it was compiled between God Emperor and Heretics. Herbert read large portions of God Emperor Dune, then published it in the final stages. Um, However, Herbert did not hesitate to render it erroneous through later developments in his Dune series. Oh, okay. So even he... But he did write the foreword. Uh, it sounds like it was meant with mixed reviews. So yeah. the Dune Encyclopedia, and someone else said, um, in response to questions over why the new post-Frank Herbert Dune novels conflicted with the Dune Encyclopedia, the book was declared a non-canon on the official Dune website and later credited to McNeely, Brian Herbert, and Anderson. Uh, Dune Encyclopedia reflects an alternate Dune universe, which is not necessarily representative of the canon created by Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert's son, Brian Herbert, writing with Kevin J. Anderson, is continuing to establish the canon of the Dune universe. This is being done with the full approval of the owner of the Dune copyright, the Herbert Limited Partnership. While Frank Herbert himself considered the Dune Encyclopedia an interesting and entertaining, he did not refer to Dr. McNeely's derivative work while writing any of his Dune novels. Likewise, in writing the Dune novels, beginning with Dune House of Trades, Brian Herbert, Kevin J. Anderson have exclusively used and will continue to use Frank Herbert's original notes, as well as their own imaginations, not the Dune Encyclopedia. Yeah. So that's kind of the official stance on it, whether this person likes it or not. Yeah. So, Well, I can understand, you know, if you had this 
thing that you've read and kind of like scored over for so long, you know, it's kind of in your heart is the basis of all these things. It's hard to go against that for sure. Yeah. I'm, you know, interesting. It's probably an interesting read and be fun to kind of, uh, I don't know, own a copy of this just because, you know, if we get a copy, uh, talk about in the podcast a little bit. Yeah. But um, if Mandy ever comes to visit, maybe I can get her to bring it with her. Yeah. So, So Mandy, if you're listening, we need, we need a copy of that. We need a copy. (laughs) By the way, you can, um, you can, uh, get a copy of it on eBay for about 50 bucks. 50 bucks. 50 bucks. It's actually not too bad. So you can buy it now for 50 bucks in the paperback edition. Wow. And actually see it as low as 30 bucks and, uh, one bid up to 80 bucks. So I guess it depends on how it's cheaper than the 2008 Children of Dune book. (laughs) It is. $250. So. Okay, so moving on, I've got, this book was okay. It progresses the storyline, but man, it is brutal. They seem to delight new ways of destroying things and people. So I didn't enjoy that part. There was one happy storyline in there that I did enjoy. Like the first book, it is a bit predictable. I, I kept with it, though, and I am done. Two stars. Dumb. Did you feel it was predictable? I mean, we talked about it being a little brutal already, so. uh oh, man. Uh, I'll tell you what. I thought it was, I also thought it was predictable, but that didn't put me off at all. I knew that Victor was going to die yeah. from the beginning. Yeah. I, I, I knew, uh, that, uh, Gurney was going to have a tragedy with his sister. Uh, I knew that Vernius was going to die. Dominic was going to die. Um, yeah, I agree. There were a lot of storylines that were predictable. But uh, so what? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It was it was still a good book to read. Yeah, you know, I don't know. I didn't feel it was predictable to me, but I okay. Yes, there were certain things you're expecting, like you know that Jessica has to become, you know, give birth to Paul. Yeah. You, so you know, and you know that Victor and Kaylee. But the, but the story, the journey there is what keeps it interesting for me. Right. And so predictability aside, okay. So there's a bit because of prequel books, it's like there's certain things in the Star Wars prequels that you knew that Darth Vader, Anakin had to become Darth Vader, right? Yeah. Okay, that's spoiled for you. Yeah. So, but that's mm-hmm. kind of any prequel series, you're going to have that. Mm-hmm. And when going through mm-hmm. the reviews, I actually found a lot of references to Star Wars uh, prequels, and it was mostly they were all in good reference and saying how the in positive light. You didn't see a lot of negative light in, in the, uh, whole thing that we had going on here. Yeah. Uh, moving on, Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson do a pretty good job of leaving different characters and storylines throughout the length of the novel, so no one is never terribly bored of one or the other. However, when they get when they get to wrapping some of these up at the end of the book and setting up for the next novel, they always seem to rush. Everything that had been hinted at earlier seems rushed and not nearly as grand as foreshadowed. The payoffs are not given much time, Partly because they try to wrap up too soon, too much, too soon at once. I'm too far into these prequel novels to stop now, but I'm not really looking forward to the next installment. Two stars. Um, <clears throat> I felt like Leto's storyline started to get wrapped up a little fast at the end of this one, almost like they could have just left it hanging a little bit more. But uh, I don't know. That didn't bother me. Yeah, didn't bother me that one. How did you feel about that, Jim? Yeah, yeah. As I as I said, I thought the book was was uh quite fast paced, which I, I personally appreciated. Yeah. Yeah. So this is my last one here. And this is actually a three star rating. So it went a little bit higher than I normally right, go. Right, right. You typically are the one star, two star rating. Yeah, but I, like I said, I couldn't really find much that wasn't the normal. So thing. this kind of gives it maybe middle of the road. Middle of the road. Yeah. And this one had this guy had a lot of interesting things to say. Oh, these Dune books. There's something else. <laughs> Second in the prelude to Dune trilogy written by Frank Herbert's son, Brian, this story seems more con- convoluted than the first one, House of Trades, or the original Herbert series. Or maybe I'm just getting more dumb as I go along. It doesn't help that I read these damn books at any old time instead of it all at once like I probably should. In any case, there are lots of different storylines here, and I'm not entirely convinced that all of those different plots were 100% necessary. And I sort of feel like detailing each of the plot lines out here is especially unnecessarily because, really, let's face it, 
If you want to know about the Dune books, you're going to read them, and anything I say for or against them probably isn't going to do much for your opinion. Secondly, this particular Dune book was over 700 pages. 700 pages, multiple stories. You do the math. That would require a really long review. I don't have that in me. Sorry. What I do like about the Prelude Trilogy is seeing so many of the characters I know and love from the original series as young characters. To see how they met and <clears throat> and how they are who they became later. It's sort of like what George Lucas did with making Star Wars 4, 5, and 6 first, and then going back making 1, 2, and 3, except much more convincing, less annoying, and there's no Jar Jar Binks in these stories. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Brian and his buddy Kevin Anderson apparently wrote this trilogy about 10 years after Daddy Frank died. These books were written based on notes Bri Bri found with, <laughs> with his father's things. So there's a bit of legitimacy to these stories. And hopefully, they do live up to Daddy Frank's vision. But really, 10 years dead? Who knows? I'm not saying this is great literature. It certainly is not. But I'm also not saying that this is scraping the bottom of the barrel. The, the original series is pretty awesome. At least the first and original Dune blew my freaking brains out. And I continue to read many Frank's stories because, well, I can't help it. <clears throat> it's like a twist I have. Must finish all the Dune books, damn it. There were some pretty intense scenes in this installation, a couple of which actually made my sleep last night a bit disturbed. So take that how you wish. I'm not disappointed I read this one, but I'm left feeling about the same as I did with House of Trades. Okay, not bad, did not offend, we'll read next one. I continue to hope to be a Benny Jesuit when I grow up. <laughs> Three stars. Yeah. We know it. He says some interesting things, things there, although he's obviously demeaning uh, Brian by calling him Brian Brian, Brian, Brian. and Mini Frank. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, and he does give credit to the fact that they're basing him on the notes of Frank Herbert. That's something that we don't mention often, but, you know, Kevin J. Anderson and Brian Herbert are not just out there winging out their own stories. They are basing this off of notes left by uh, by Frank Herbert on his own universe. So there yeah. is some foundation. And uh, uh, he says that he's not convinced that all these different plots were 100% necessary. So let's 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 take devil's advocate. Okay. Is there a is there other plot lines you feel like could have been cut? In your opinion, as you were reading this book. Like rewritten or completely cut? Well, let's take let's take the first one. Completely cut. Completely cut. Man, who could we completely cut out of this story? Uh, Kylia and and uh, Victor. We don't need that. Well, even Romber for that matter. Do we need the Romber storyline? No. I mean, I guess. Right, do we need the X storyline? It shows you how Leto learns statecraft. Right. But he could have learned that some other way. Yeah. But you'd be rewriting the story then. How about you, Jim? What do you think of that story? Do we, can, can we cut anything out of this book? I would hate to uh, – I'm not going to second guess the authors here. I, I don't think that is my place. That's their property. <laughs> way to sidestep they, the issue, Jim. <laughs> yeah, no, they have done their job, and if I don't like it, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, you know, it, it's like watching a television show, watching twenty six episodes of some television show I hate, and then complaining about sitting there and watching it. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's completely asinine. Yeah, yep. I mean, I think that some things could have been rewritten. And this goes back to what I said in the main episode of everyone coming through some hardship with the Harkonnens before getting connected with the Atreides. You know, Gurney Halleck's story could have been different. Uh, Yui's story could have been totally different. I, like, I don't know if he needed to be so connected to the Harkonnens. Um, I, th I think that kind of takes away from the shock of Dune when he realized that he was manipulated by them. So I, I, I don't know. Uh, but I don't know. I, not needed. I feel like everything in this book was needed, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. It's going to pay off. Yep. I'm kind of with you on that. Uh, there's nothing I would cut, although I would agree that, if anything, it would be the House of Ernie's he cut. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. If you're going to cut anything, cut that. Yeah. And that probably would have shortened the book considerably, but... Yeah. Ah. 
Again, I enjoyed well, the storyline. That's story why you needed it, because yeah, three bucks. I enjoyed the storyline. Yeah. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. We're actually encroaching close to an hour here. So. Wow. Well, do we want to leave them with a parting question to maybe respond to? Oh, yeah. Maybe we should. So, let's, uh, Jim, do you want to bump up to one of the parting questions? We'll let you choose here. One, two, or three. These questions mm-hmm. came in from Roland Smoker, and we're going to pose them to you. And we can't forget to talk about them in the next podcast. Yeah, next, next listener feedback. We'll, yeah. We'll, We'll see what people say. Yeah, I'm going to throw these up to the top then by the end so we don't forget to do that. Okay. But uh, okay. go ahead, Jim. All right. It says, would you rather be a guild navigator or a Benny Gesserit sister? Ooh. Ooh. So why don't you go ahead and let us know. You can write in to us. Do you want to get, should we give the stats here? Sure, yeah. You can go ahead and write into our email, which is dunesockapodcast at gmail.com. You can tweet us. At Dune Saga Podcast. Yep. Visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Dune Saga Podcast. Or you can find everything at our main hub, which is dunesagapodcast.com. Just leave a comment on this episode. Yeah. There's also a wonderful voicemail. We haven't had any voicemails yet, so you could be the first person to call in. Let us know what you think. The voicemail number is, Scott? one 508 4343 We're going to actually post this question on the Facebook page as well, and that will maybe help. Maybe we'll wait yeah. to do that till the listener feedback show is out. Yeah, we'll wait for it. And we have some other questions we'll share as well. Then, By the way, next uh, episode, uh, if you want to tune in, find out and actually join the conversation live, we will have a chat room and be streaming this live on our uh, on our webpage, dunesagapodcast.com backslash live, and you can join us. It'll be the first time doing it, so if we kind of screwed up, give us some grace. But yeah. but we'll be paying attention to the chat room, so if you want to join us live, it'll be 7 p.m., 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and we'll get you know the date for that. So yeah. depending where you're at in the world, it might be difficult, but hey, yeah. it's just kind of the way things go when you're streaming stuff live. Yeah, and you can check out our, you know, com. We have a little calendar there right on the right-hand and side. And that really tells you. Yeah. Tells you what time we're going to be recording Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and that's important. I believe that's about it. Yeah, so for the Dune Saga Podcast, I'm David Moulton. I'm Scott Herzog. And I'm Jim Arrowwood, and may Shai Halud clear the path before you. <laughs> <laughs>